are significant players out there that we can acquire this time of year that will make our team better. Right. And that's the challenge for our pro and college scouts, is to find those guys. Who are those players out there? And as Ozzy always says, we don't play games till September 10th. And we'll be ready to play. Uh, I do think we'll make some changes. Well, there's a lot of uncertainty. You know, I kind of look at it like Game of Thrones. Welcome into the lounge for a great, fantastic, superb, spectacular episode. Now they're all great, spectacular. What else? I forgot some of them. Yeah, whatever. Awesome. awesome. Amazing. Bodacious. Fantastic. Yeah, they're all, they're all that, but rad. this one is even maybe a few more of those. A yeah. little more rad than normal. <laughs> uh, but before we get started with that, we got to tell you about something that's going on here, people, all right? And this is the Papa John's Raven's Flock Special. You can order the Raven's Flock Special all season long, and you get a large specialty pizza and a large two-topping pizza with promo code RAVENSFLOCK at papajohns.com. And it doesn't stop there, Garrett. Did yeah. you know about this? I didn't. Did you know about the Ravens 50? Let's go ahead. Tell me about it. All right. The day after every Ravens win, you get 50% off regular menu price online orders with promo code RAVENS50 at papajohns.com. Right. So if you guys are late to the party, we picked up a sponsor. Last week was the inaugural sponsored episode. That wasn't a sponsor thing. I just love Papa John's so much that I want to tell everybody about the deals. That's true. I, I also do love Papa John's. This, <laughs> you know, one of my favorite things is when we get into the regular season and it's Wednesdays and the, they bring in pizza, Papa John's pizza for the media on well, Wednesdays. That. But your favorite day, your favorite day is when we do our fantasy football draft which and I host the pizza party in which we order pizza from Papa John's. It's coming up next week, right? It's, it's, a, it's six days oh, away. Oh, I can't. Guy. Six days away. I can't wait to torment you and all day. And I can't day. wait to order lots of extra cheese. I can't wait to order. Yeah, if you guys missed it, by the way, we did a pizza <laughs> toppings yeah. draft last week. You need to go back and listen to it. Speaking and that. And as, as always, we got more emails about our pizza toppings draft than really anything football related. So maybe we should just do a pizza podcast. <laughs> <laughs> pizza and beer podcast. Yeah, pizza and beer podcast. Those are the top two emails. But I'll go ahead and read the email. And this email that I'm going to read shows that I am just a completely objective uh, person and I'm willing to read things that maybe don't put me in, in the best light. This is from Kyle Barr and the email is, hey guys, longtime listener and fan here. I wanted to email the podcast for a while, but it took the deba- it took that debacle of a pizza draft to finally make me do it. Garrett, the only thing you did right on your pizza was pick bacon. Great pick, by the way. <laughs> you and the common man are crazy. Mink won that draft easily. His Boom. main mistake was to take extra cheese so early. <laughs> that was a number four pick. You know, it's a reach for some people. I didn't tell the full story behind that, which is I like a four cheese pizza. Yeah, Got we, a great one we don't need to get into that. Amazing. We don't need to get right, into that. Um, but thanks for all the great content. Looking forward to the inevitable beer draft and how it will somehow be unfairly turned against Mink. Yes. Uh, it exactly. won't be unfairly turned against exactly. Mink. It won't be unfairly turned exactly. against Exactly. And here's the thing. Is I that was, the only email you're reading? Because they're about four others that all sided with me on the pizza draft. The people spoke, right? No. And it was overwhelmingly in my favor. No. By yes, it was. At best, it was 50-50. No, it was Probably not. a little bit tilted in my direction. Are you kidding? So Are you joking? At best, it was 50-50. I'll give you 50-50. Then the other great piece of it, too, I, I sent this to you. My man, Bruno Mars, who him and I are very similar people, Bruno have a lot of Mars. the same talent. Yeah, you ever heard of him? He played the Super Bowl last year. He's what? one of the biggest just, pop icons just, in the world. I'm just waiting for this connection to be made, and it's going to be terrible. I, I tweeted this to you. One of my favorite things is Bruno Mars this week. Someone asked him. He was doing a Twitter Q&A. Someone asked him, pineapple oh, on yeah, pizza I or off? This. And he said, off, for sure. So 
Me and Bruno Mars, very similar in a lot of different I ways. Give a rat's behind about what Bruno Mars thinks about pizza. You and if your you pineapple-loving were... pizza lovers can go over in this corner. I'm going to go hang out with Bruno Mars. If you were more well-read, you would know, I believe it's Iceland, the president of Iceland. You don't even banned, know. You don't even know banned, what it is. He banned ham and pineapple from the country. I like how you open the thing by saying, if you were more well-read. I believe it is... Uh, well, we'll look it up afterwards. I'm yeah. almost positive it's like All right, so anyway, uh, we, we have an interview with uh, Assistant General Manager Eric DaCosta today, and uh, we want to get into that rather than debating pizza the entire day. Yeah. Eric, I got to start by asking. Last time we had you on the pod, you talked about your pranks and how they kind of get, get going when the stress gets a little bit higher. We're in training camp mode here, preseason. Stress has got to be building. So I know you got to be working on something. Can you can you share something? Pat Moriarty doesn't listen to podcasts. Ozzy doesn't yeah. even know what podcasts are. Yeah. So you can let us know. Well, I think you know what I've been doing lately is is more Instagram related. Oh, all right. And I've been actually there's some really good. I've been filming Pat <laughs> without him knowing. Uh huh. And I've been asking him different kinds of questions and I've been posting his responses on Instagram for people <laughs> to see. It's kind of gained some status. In fact, you know, Todd Heap follows me on Instagram, and he said, hey, I love the Pat videos. <laughs> you know, so they'll just be like random things about Pat. You know, there was one video where he was sleeping at the senior ball in the car in between practices, and I came up <laughs> behind him and started choking him. That. Um, you know, last week I asked him if he weighed in about his weight, you know, and he he got real sheepish about his weight, and I filmed that and put that out there. You know, there's been some other things where once I was actually, I set the phone up, uh, my phone up in his office, and I was hiding under his desk when he came in, and I just came out and grabbed him and scared him to death, and we got that on video. So I've been really interested in that. I've been evolving, I think. Yeah, you're dabbling in social media now. Yeah, trying to do some different things to get my fans out there to actually... um, experience some of the things that take place in this building. We need to follow this account. Is this I something? Know, seriously, are we following it from I, the Ravens? I'm not. This is the first I've heard about it. We what need is, to follow this account. account. Yeah, well, I'm, you know, I'm not really ready to divulge uh, that. Uh, yet. <laughs> That's why I had a feeling. Um, <laughs> but you may have to find it. You, know, you can find it if you seek it. There are some people that follow me, and uh, it's out there, but it's also something that, you know, I hate to give away too many secrets. Yeah and allow other people to start to kind of emulate what I'm doing. <laughs> right, so you're a trendsetter. That, that's always the challenge, you know what I mean? There's definitely been some times when like, you sent me some pictures of when you were doing the hats gag, and you yeah. were buying different hats for Pat, and like big hats with money signs on them, and different little things, and, and you were like, you should write a story on this, and you're sending them to me, and we're like in the middle of a season, like yeah. coming off a loss, and I'm like, I just, you know, <laughs> I feel bad saying no, but I just know that Kevin Byrne, like, if I write that story, Kevin's going to come down and be like, what the hell are you doing? And then I have to point the finger to Eric and look like a narc. Yeah. It's just not good. So, yeah. yeah. So, I'm glad you're doing it yourself. So, now we can give yeah. you a follow. Yeah. 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 Exactly. I like it. <laughs> so, uh, we got to start. This, this preseason has been unique also with, I mean, just the amount of injuries that we've had. I've never seen anything like it. You probably haven't either. How much tougher does that make your job when you're having to juggle the roster all the time? You know, we, you know, I kind of feel like the injuries have been unknown to mankind. You know, <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, it's just been incredible. Yeah. You know, every week, every practice is a different thing. And initially, it was really frustrating, you know, because you, you start out, you know, as I was telling some people, you're on vacation and you have a chance to kind of think about the upcoming season, what you're excited about. You start thinking about the positional battles and various things and how you've built the team over the course of the last, you know, essentially 10 months. And then all of a sudden, you come back from vacation, and guys just start dropping like flies. Yeah. Right. 
And it is a very frustrating part of the job. And I think a lot of it is just how you internally deal with that every day. Right. If you think about, you know, the luck factor and just some of our best players have gotten hurt, some of these guys are out for the season, it will drive you crazy. If you kind of look outward and say, you know what, there's an opportunity here for us, there's a challenge for us to go out and find some players, which we've done in the past, right. to make this team better, and you start to challenge the guys and you work together, then I think it becomes a positive for you. But if you just kind of wallow in self-pity and think about, hey, man, this is crazy that these guys are dropping out, then it will just drive you nuts. It consumes you. you know. Yeah. And there's an element. I think the, the part of my job that really is, is the part that I hate the most is the aspect of things that I have absolutely no control over. Mm -hmm. So those things like injuries or, you know, the, the, the things that happen in the course of a game, you know, the dropped interception, the ball that bounces the other way, the fumble that goes out of bounds, the calls by the officials that might be game-changing calls. Those are the kind of things as a personnel guy that I think probably drive you nuts. Right. It's different, I think, in some respects from coaching where you might make a call that can affect the game or you might make a substitution that affects the game. It's tougher to get a sense for that as a scout, and yet you're very invested in the quality of the performance of the team. Mm -hmm. So it makes it more challenging. So these things um, that happen, I'm not really sure why. You know, I think people have asked me about the way that we train in the offseason. We had an unbelievable offseason conditioning uh, program this year. Our guys worked extremely hard. And I really believe in what we do is, is the best in the NFL in a lot of different ways. And so, and that starts with, you know, what we're doing from a strength and conditioning standpoint with Steve Saunders and his people to, you know, Mark Smith in the training room and our doctors and everything, the way we practice. To me, it looks like the ideal practice. It looks like the ideal way of doing things. And yet we've seen some guys that we really believe in uh, as good foundation type players for the future going down with significant injuries. Yeah. That's how I felt with when Tavon went down. I yep. felt like that was a huge hit. I just that one to me of the season enders was like, oh. God, yeah, we're hurts. still in the wallowing stage. Right. We're, yeah, we're still it, wallowing. We're trying yeah. to transition. But, to but, the then, <laughs> but then I went to I went to the other and I was like, all right, well, Kennedy, I'm really excited about Kennedy. I think he could be a really mm -hmm. good player. And then he comes up and then he goes down. And you're like, God, you know. It, it's, but then you turn it forward and now Jalen Hill and you're like, yeah. all right, well now we can get excited for Jalen. You know, so it's, yeah. it, you you go down that line kind of. I mean, I know that there are players out there that we can get that can help this team. We've done it, you know, whether it's a Willie Anderson. Um, right. You know, we brought in uh, Josh Wilson one year, right. and Jimmy Leonard. I mean, there are significant players out there that we can acquire this time of year that will make our team better. Right. And that's the challenge for our pro and college scouts is to find those guys. Who are those players out there that are either going to be acquired via trade, free agents, uh, on the street, whatever it is, who are those players that we can bring in that make us a better team than we were yesterday? Well, you know, we it's kind of fast forward to that question. Yeah, yeah. right. The, Mike, <laughs> it's, everyone always talks about this time of year. There's going to be players that get cut. There's going to be trades, whatever it is. How many guys do you think will be on the roster going into that game against Cincinnati week one that aren't on the team right now? Well, I mean, I think we still have the chance to add some players, and there's that one player, two players. We really like our roster in general. We do think there are a couple positions where we could use some depth. Um, and we'll continue to look at those guys. And so if we have the chance to bring in a couple guys, two or three guys, I mean, this is a tough team to make. We have, have tremendous depth at some positions, and we're probably lacking right now at some other positions, either just because we did a poor job uh, of addressing that in the offseason, which is my, my issue, or because of injuries. We just feel like there are certain positions we're not as strong as we'd like to be. So, um, so we'll address that, and we still have time. And as Ozzy always says, we don't play games till September 10th, and we'll be ready to play. 
Uh, I do think we'll make some changes, and either that's going to be a player that gets cut that we like, a player that we can acquire via trade, whatever it is. Um, you know, there'll be opportunities for us to get a couple guys in here that may not pay big dividends against the Bengals on September 10th, but at some point over the course of the year, we feel like they'll help us win a game. You know, on the, tr on the trade front, that's always kind of like a sexy conversation in terms of like, oh, what trade could happen? What position could it be? And, and Coach Harbaugh talked about it recently, about the defensive line in particular, because there's so many good young players on this team that you have a defensive line that maybe that could be somebody, you know, then that group that you trade. Have you already had teams that call, whether it's about defensive line or another position, and they say, we're interested in this group or this player? Well, I think players are commodities, and people look at your team and they assess your strengths and weaknesses, and teams have a, an idea of how they perceive our roster. What's our strengths and weaknesses? Is that, you know, is that a defensive you know, roster, strong defensive line, outside linebacker, secondary? Is that you know, um, you know, not a lot of depth in the offensive line, whatever it is? Teams have a feeling about your team, and they start to reach out. And typically, it'll be maybe a couple of you know, preliminary phone calls before the season, before training camp, I mean. But then as we get into the second, third, and fourth week of preseason, then teams start to, as they start to get injuries and they start to lose the battle of attrition, then they start to call you asking about specific players if there's a positional match. Right, right. So you're saying we have probably, we have fielded <laughs> some of those calls. Well, I didn't say that. I said it typically, <laughs> it typically does happen. This is typically the time You know, and this one when, when it would happen. Right, right. Can you share just a few players that have really stood out to you watching practice in the preseason games that, you know, those guys really caught your eye? Yeah, this is the thing. Like, you know, you want to talk about those guys, but then you don't want to really put it out there either because you know, there are some younger players that have really emerged. Right. Um, I would say that guys that, you know, what we're looking at, you know, it, it doesn't do me any good to talk about like these undrafted guys right. that are really playing well for us. You know, I'm more inclined to look at guys that, I think um, have made significant strides, okay. you know, over the last couple of years. And I think a guy that would probably fit the bill, um, you know, I think uh, Kamale Correa has made a good jump this year, mm -hmm. um, and he's shown maturity both uh, on defense and also on special teams. We're excited to see his growth continue, and that's been good for us. Um, you know, I think uh, Keenan Reynolds is a guy that has really improved a lot from when he came in last year as a quarterback mm -hmm. to now. He had a nice return. His receiving skills have really improved quite a bit. Uh, he's a guy that has made some nice plays for us and practices, and he's really improved a lot as a player. Um, I think Chuck Clark is a guy that bringing him in this year, um, you know, later round draft pick. Uh, we liked him on tape, but he's really shown to us that we liked him on special teams in college quite a bit, yeah. but he's shown us to us that he's a really viable safety for us and he's going to be a guy that really pays dividends for us down the road. We're excited about him. I think he has a really good chance to help us. Uh, and another guy I think um, that has just consistently been been really good is the kid from Maine, Ricard. Mm -hmm. You know, the defensive lineman. He's played some tight end for us. He's, he's played some fullback for us. Uh, he's been consistently good from the time he got here and he's, uh, he's a guy that we think is has a really good chance to help us at some point and, and, and make the team and and be a good player for us. Yeah, that's a good answer. Yeah, how often are when we're watching practice? You know, we come up with our list of guys, and it, maybe it's some of the guys that you mentioned. But do you read from us and you say, "Yeah, they, they're completely off base." So they're on base. Like, how often are you watching what's being said during training camp out there in the media? And are we on target, or are we typically off? I think the media does a pretty good job of assessing guys that are making plays in practice and struggling in practice. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, I think it's probably a little different as you get into either the regular season or I think sometimes in the off season as I start to read about, you know, you know, maybe players that we might be interested in via trade or, or draft picks and things like that, then it kind of, you go off the grid. Yeah, off right. the <laughs> We're just bit. guessing. We're just throwing you know, darts at that point. But, but I think in terms of just watching practice every day, mm-hmm. you know, I think the media does a pretty good job of saying, hey, this guy made a nice play. This guy got beat, whatever it is. Right. You know, um, and what we do, honestly, is we'll read the, uh, you know, other teams, you know, reports. Practice reports. And we'll get some stuff periodically that uh, we can use to help us, you know, figure out if this is a guy that we're interested in, how's he practicing, has he been healthy, that kind of stuff. Right. You know, which is, you know, one of the reasons why I think we try and control as much as we can some of the stuff that's being reported at practice, you know, yeah. because, and I don't think fans really understand this, but it can't be damaging when a guy, you know, when a reporter says something or puts a tweet out there that may be true, may not be true, and it might be about an injury, it may could be about something else. Mm-hmm. But that could be damaging to the team. That could be damaging to the player for a lot of different reasons. So I think that's something that every team, as you guys know, kind of wrestles with. Like how much access do we give the media during practice? How much can they tweet? Where can they tweet? What do we expect of their tweets? What kind of, what kind of stuff can they report? What kind of stuff can't they report during the season? Right. As you guys know, there's a lot of different rules that teams put in place. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing that we're all buzzing about in the media is this defense and just how good it looks. I mean, you look at the league leaders right now, and it's preseason, it's two games or whatever, but it's total yardage, passing yardage, rushing yardage, Ravens lead all three. Are are we too hyped about this defense, or from what you've seen, I mean, do you look at it and you're like, we're going to be really, really good on D this year? Well, I think the the notion that you'll be good is on any side of the ball is always really precarious based on injuries and different things because you could be the best defense in football and if you lose a Ray Lewis you're gonna fall back mm-hmm. and that just happens and you know so I think a lot goes into that I mean we tried to build a team with a an eye towards the defense this year that was something that we've talked about going back to January of last year right. is let's make this defense one of the all-time best Ravens defenses let's make this defense the type of defense that can, can win games on its own and that was a mission I mean we, we talked about the pass rush we talked about the importance of the secondary we felt like we had a strong D line but we wanted to improve in a lot of different areas and so we tried to do that and uh, I think so far it's the results have been I think encouraging but on the other hand it's preseason and teams don't show much teams aren't running their full playbook players are in and out of lineup you know, I think the quality of players that are playing in these first couple of games is probably limited. So it would be foolish of us to think that we're this like dominant defense right. in the preseason without having played against a team like the Bengals or the Pittsburgh Steelers or the Oakland Raiders. And those are big challenges for us. Right. And, and we'll be ready, hopefully, for those games. And that's what we aspire to be, to lead the uh, NFL in defense in the preseason. I think it, it's... It's, it's almost a false sense of security in some respects. Mm-hmm. So in terms of building that defense, a big part of it was what you obviously did in the draft. First four picks, all defense. And those guys are expected to play some pretty big roles this year. Just what are your impressions of those early draft picks on the defensive side of the ball? Well, I think, you know, they're all guys that have flashed at different parts and have all shown that they can play in the league. You know, I think injuries obviously are a factor. You know, Marlon's dealt with a couple of different things. When he played and when he's been playing, he's, he's looked very good uh, in maturity, ball skills, toughness, savvy, he's looked good. And I think he's a good young player who can help us this year win some games. We're yeah. excited about that. 
right kind of mentality, right kind of kid. I think Bowser has been a consistent, you know, all throughout, you know, the OTAs up through camp. He's had a very good camp. He's a guy that is athletically, we knew what he could do. We knew that he was a gifted player. Um, he's picked the defense up, I think, pretty well. He's versatile. He can rush the passer. He can cover. He can play the run. He's another guy. He's a jackknife type of player who can play a lot of different stuff for you, a lot of different packages. Uh, he looks like a guy that's going to really help us this year as well. Uh, I think, uh, you know, Chris um, is that type of guy that's going to be a guy that's going to end up being a five technique for us, a starting five technique. He's a big physical kid. He's got a big body. We've had a lot of success over the years with players like him. You know, I think um, he's in a great position this year because he can continue to grow and mature and get stronger. I think this next offseason for him is going to be really good. He's mm -hmm. going to be a guy that I think over the, over the course of the season this year, he's going to make a big jump. He's playing a very tough position in the NFL. That's one of the tougher positions, I think, for young guys to play because of the physicality of that position, the quality of the offensive lineman in the NFL compared to the quality in college football, the physical demands of that position. Uh, we're very excited about him. And again, he's the right kind of kid. And, uh, and I think Timmy Williams is a guy that has shown to us that he has legitimate NFL pass rush skills. Mm -hmm. uh, Timmy is, is, has come in. He's learned the defense very, very well. He's a guy that has a physical presence to his game. He can run. He can rush. He's physical. He's tough. And uh, I think he's going to be a guy that over the course of this season and again next season is really going to emerge as a guy who can make quarterbacks be scared on third downs. So then turning the page to the offense, Flacco's back injury. At this point, how nervous is that making you? You know, um, again, as I, as I said earlier, like, you know, you always have a little bit of apprehension when players get hurt and you start yeah. to really worry. And obviously, your quarterback is uh, a very, very important position. And Joe, forget the physical aspect of the position. Joe's are a leader back there. He's a guy that everybody respects. He's a constant, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just... It's, it's like, you know, you come in to the gate outside and you see this building and this building is a constant and it makes you feel better when you come into work that, hey, we're a, we're a team. You know, this is the Baltimore Ravens we're talking about. Joe's kind of like that. And so, um, you know, not having him out there makes you a little bit uneasy. Again, I think it offers an opportunity for other guys, makes guys focus because they have to focus to be the best they can be. Uh, it's been a challenge. But uh, I think in the end, you know, we know Joe. We know what Joe's about. He's our quarterback. We're so happy to have him. We feel really good about where he is, as we've said, uh, and we expect him to be ready to go. Mm -hmm. You know, with Ryan's obviously gotten all the first-team reps in his absence. He's played with the starters throughout the preseason. You know, what have you thought about Ryan? I think that, you know, whenever people see that Joe's not out there and, and early in camp, you know, Ryan's even said it, you know, kind of struggled a little bit at the early part of camp, and then he's made some progress. People get nervous and they say, uh-oh, what's going to be the case here? How is this going to play out? What's been your impressions of Ryan in terms of how he's handled this pressure and then how he's performed and progressed over the course of the summer? Well, I think Ryan's a pro. He's got a great attitude. He's a good worker. Uh, I think he's a coachable player, and I think he's gotten better. So, you know, teams are never happy. Uh, fans are never happy. Teams are never happy with their backup QBs. Right. It's just a fact of life. <laughs> well, unless, unless they're a backup. Well, in, <laughs> unless the, quarter, the starting quarterback's not playing well, then the backup's the most popular guy in town. Yeah. yeah well, that's that's right. not a good spot to be in either, though. <laughs> that's right. Uh, you know, we're, we're glad to have Ryan. He's yeah. playing as, as well as... He's played right now. He's playing his best football right now for us. And um, it's a work in progress. You know, it's not just one player 
I've known that. I've learned that over the years. It's just not one player. Everybody, especially in offense, offense you have to have really 11 guys working together, you know, to be the best offense you can be. I think um, we've had a little bit of a state of flux on the offensive line. Sure. We've had some injuries at the running back position. Uh, we've had some injuries at the wideout position. Tight end. Tight end. It would be very hard <laughs> yeah. for any quarterback right now, given the parameters we're under, to uh, to be as good as they could be. So when we watch these preseason games, I think everybody's probably excited about the way Josh Woodrum looked. You know, last week's a couple of rushing touchdowns, but he had a perfect pass rating in his first game. So, you know, obviously going back to the backup quarterback thing, all of a sudden the, the, the third-string back quarterback is the most popular guy in town. Yeah. When we sit here and kick around ideas, we'd say, I would love to see this guy play with the starters a little bit this week. Like, is there any – and it's not really an indication of Mallet. It's more of an indication of Woodrum and how he's played – is there any validity to that thought to say, just give him a chance to see if he can do that with the starters, what he's been doing in the third and fourth quarter of these games? Uh, that's a question you should ask John. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, After I'm sure. practice, you know, he'd be receptive to that, probably. Yeah. <laughs> and I think any time you can put players in a position where they have a chance to stretch themselves yeah. in, a, in, a, in a situation where they may be doing something different or playing with different players, that's a really good thing from an evaluation standpoint. So for us to see that would be helpful. Uh, he's done a good job. Again, it, it's been impressive. Um, you know, uh, I've gotten a lot of calls from family members about him that are intrigued. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and I think um, we'll see how it all shakes out over the next couple of games. Right. The offensive line, obviously, that's a, a group that's gotten a lot of attention because of just so much. It's been in flux so much. How do you look at that group right now? Is that one that's keeping you tossing and turning right now at night? And is that where you're potentially looking to bolster the roster? Well, there's a lot of uncertainty. Yeah. You know, um, you know, I kind of look at it like Game of Thrones. You know, which I'm a big fan. Now, of now that we're talking about language. Here we go. We're talking about <laughs> language right now. We're gonna go and, off. Of, and there's so here. much right now. There's just so much uncertainty in Game of Thrones. But you kind of know that when the season ends or when the show ends next year, everything is gonna be kind of in place and tied up, and everything is gonna finish. You know, and I think the offensive line right now there is a state of flux. But I think when we do get you know Marshall back out there and Ronnie back out there and maybe make a couple moves or whatever we do, I think everybody will have a sense of relief and everybody will say, why did we spend so much time worrying about it? It all worked out. So 53 roster, how does it go when it's the, you know, whether it's after that fourth preseason game or a lot of decisions are made really before that game, but what is the conversation? Is it you, John, and Ozzy get into a room and hammer this thing out? How much, what is that dialogue and how is that thing finalized? Well, in general, most years, there's maybe one or two spots that are up for grabs. I mean, everybody likes to talk about it and read about it and everything else, but it's kind of um, a situation where you look at the roster before camp even starts and you say, okay, we think these guys are going to make it. There'll be, always be a one or two surprises, a couple guys that might emerge, a couple guys that might fall off, tough decisions you have to make. You know, I think in general, we are talking about a few spots, you know, at various positions. And it's the kind of discussion like, okay, do we keep – you know, five outside linebackers, do we keep seven uh, or eight defensive linemen? How many corners? Do we keep six corners? Do we keep five corners? Do we keep five safeties? Do we keep six safeties? Do we keep eight offensive linemen? Do we keep nine offensive linemen? Maybe we keep seven offensive linemen if we don't have eight offensive linemen. Mm -hmm. Five receivers plus one returner maybe, six receivers. How does that shake out? Is it four running backs? Is it five running backs? Is it a swing guy you know, who can play fullback and whatever do you keep up there's a lot of different factors three right. tight ends versus four tight ends two quarterbacks versus three quarterbacks yep 
But in general, I think you have a, a, an awareness of your roster. Your plan is to keep as many talented players as you can. You know, in general, you don't want to keep an inferior player at a different position if you've got a really talented guy who may be a victim of depth at another position. You know, it's just kind of like the way we um, approach the draft in some respects. You never want to pass up on a really talented player just because you may not need them at the, and take somebody who's a lot less talented because you have a hole there. And if you do that, what happens is when those guys have a chance to play, those inferior players, when they do play, they typically won't play as well, and you'll end up being disappointed in the long run. It looks good on paper, but when they have to play, mm -hmm. they're just good enough to get you beat. Yeah. Right, right. So it's really like a, a wide receiver is battling against a safety. It's not like there's as much competition within the wide receiver room. It's it's those positions. in some respects, and then the the other I think, you know, quantifier is special teams, right. and how do those two guys Rossmore play? Comes in, you know, <laughs> how do those guys play on special teams, and yeah. what's their value for us? And then the other thing we look at is, okay, can this, is this guy going to dress for us on game day? Right. Is he good enough on special teams? Or is he just going to be a guy who basically takes up a spot all season long and doesn't dress because he's not a guy that's going to play on special teams? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You talked about the offensive line, and, and you feel like w when we look back on it, all of our worries will be you know, a little overamplified. I hope so. Yeah, right. You know? <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to feel that way if Cersei's you know, queen of the seven kingdoms. Right, exactly. And it's not, and it's not, and it's not Daenerys, you know, but I'm know. just saying, like, in theory, I'm expecting Daenerys and her posse to, to win out. <laughs> this yeah. is totally over my head. Yeah. You guys are the Game of Thrones guys, so you'll have to meet afterwards. Right. But Jon Snow's yeah. going to be the king. Don't worry about that. Anyway, to my question, is that, is that the feeling that you get for the offense as a whole? Because, you know, it's not just the offensive line. We've had injuries everywhere along this O-line, and Flacco's back and all that. Do you feel like, at the end of the day, this thing's going to come together and it's going to be good? Well, I mean, it's what we hope for, right. you know. I think the coaches expect that, you know, I think it's hard. I can't imagine being a coach and only being able to play with basically half a deck of cards, you know, not having all those guys out there. But I think when we get, you know, Joe back out there and we get Ronnie out there, we get Marshall out there, when we get, you know, Danny back out there and we get, you know, guys like um, Brashad and everybody out there, I think it's going to look pretty good. You know, I really do. I believe that. I'm excited about our team and our players. I think the guys are so motivated to do well. They're smart. They've been coached extremely well. They take pride. They're organized. They can make plays. We've seen that. And I just feel like when it all comes together, this is going to be a pretty special team. Nice. And just we'll let you out here on this. This is one of our favorite stories. You know, just it's kind of set the scene here. Anybody that's watched the game with you in the press box, I think fans would actually appreciate it. You're you're passionate about it. That's when you're you're fired up in the press box, and I often end up sitting next to you or right around there. And so you're fired up in the press box, depending on how some things desks. are going. I have feared for the life of some desks in the press <laughs> box when Eric is watching the game. And, and there's a lot of like that intensity going on during games. One of our favorites was, this was, I don't remember what year it was, maybe 2014, 2013, somewhere around that range. And we were in Indianapolis and playing the Colts. And there was just reporter. And the rule in the press box is that you're supposed to be respectful and professional for, as reporters. You're not supposed to be like commentating on the game to the broader audience and there's this guy in the front row that was just non-stop babbling and you got into it with him a little bit like well yeah you, well it, and it, it's I, it's not a way I want to be but I am <laughs> people that know me really well I have a intensity about myself that sometimes on game day is especially prevalent and, <laughs> yes and so it really starts when I wake up in the morning and you know, my family, they just pretty much know that 
I'm not going to talk much <laughs> the morning of the game. And we drive to the brutal. stadium. <laughs> it's pretty much just a quiet drive to the stadium. And I don't say too much. You know, I just, I really don't. And then when the game starts, you know, I admire Ozzy. It's just an incredible thing how he can sit there. And I think this is really what makes him a Hall of Fame player and a Hall of Fame GM. He just has so much patience and calm and just a ability to just kind of block out all the noise mm -hmm. and just clinically sit there. Unfortunately, I don't really have that skill. <laughs> Hasn't translated. <laughs> you know? um, so I'm very, very intense, mm -hmm. you know, which is why maybe 15 years ago, my mom, who, who passed away, but she bought me a pair of these military-grade binoculars because I was breaking binoculars every week. And so she bought me a military pair of binoculars that I could smash that would never break, and I still have them. So this, this game in particular, it was a game where we weren't playing very well. And, you know, for whatever reason. I mean, we had a good season. I think it was 14. Yeah. We had a good season that year, but we just really weren't playing well. And we had a lot of injuries that week. I think on the offensive line, we had different guys playing in different spots. And I think uh, actually that game, you know, Bjorn Werner was playing for the Colts and he had some success against us rushing the passer. And there were these two guys, reporters that were sitting in front of Ozzy and I, and they just chirped all game. They just talked all game and they just kept like openly in the press box just criticizing our players. Loudly On too. the offensive line. Right. And that's kind of a no-no. Right. You know, it's just not something that is good form. You know, I mean, I try as best as possible not to show any emotion in the press box. Sometimes I do, but I would never, ever, ever, ever show any disrespect for the opponent. Yeah. You know, I may get angry, I may get happy, I may pound my fist or something, but, you know, I would never do that. And I just felt like these guys were doing that. And um, I knew Ozzy and, and, and Pat, they also felt the same way. But I just couldn't take it anymore, so uh, I, um, I I went up to the guys and after the game, and I just I basically said, "Listen, it's just so disrespectful that you would act like that, so unprofessional that you would act like that." And uh, you know, it became a little bit of a of scrum, you know. <laughs> the you the know? mad people started to gather. Yeah, you know, um, but it's just one of those things. Like, of course, I get frustrated when we don't play well. Yeah. But these are our players, and we love them, and we support them. The Ravens, everything that goes into that, and we see how hard these guys work. And, um, you know, we'll always defend our guys. You know, they're our players. And so that's what we did, and it was kind of foolish. I kind of regret it, but I think it's just, if you if you look at that, it's it's probably a, a microcosm of who I am, you know, as a, as a person. And, you know, uh, again, it's probably something I get from my mom who is a pretty intense person. But I <laughs> well, think just one of those ideas. things, you know, it's just, I kind of regret it. Um, but remind me someday to tell you guys a really good story about press box etiquette. I've got a great story about Kevin Byrne, Ooh. which I'd love to tell you guys sometime. We'll All right. Maybe next time. We'll have to save it for the next time. Right, we'll we'll save it for the next time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Leave a little meat on the bone. Cool. Well, thank you, Eric. We really appreciate it. All right, guys. All right. Thanks, Eric. Thanks. So thank you to Eric Tacosta. Really good stuff. And I'm, that guy, Definitely intense on game day. There's been a few instances where I've uh, been sitting next to him and something will go bad and the desk takes the brunt of it and I'm just like, <laughs> right? <laughs> just like typing like, 
I don't see anything happening here. <laughs> Just, you know, uh. the, the funny part of that story that he, he didn't tell is that there was two guys that were really chirping the entire game. Yeah. And then he went and started talking to one of them. And then that guy, as soon as Eric started talking to him, was basically like, it wasn't me. He it threw, wasn't he me. Threw his buddy under he the was, it was him. It was basically what you and I would do. Yeah. By he was like, it was him. And then, the, and then that guy, I think he either went to Alabama or covered Alabama. So then he starts looking up at Ozzy. And he's like, I'm an Alabama guy. I love Ozzy Newsome. Al- Ozzy's my guy. Roll Tide, baby. Roll like, Tide. Somehow that makes him like the most pure human on earth. Yeah. Could, I could never do anything wrong. I went to Alabama. I covered Alabama. Oh, uh, it was a great <laughs> exchange. You know how Eric mentioned the scrum that was forming? I yeah. was definitely in that scrum kind of peering in. I was keeping my distance so I didn't get implicated in any form or fashion, great. but I was I was definitely keeping a close it's eye. It's pretty great. Well, it's just good to hear from our assistant GM. I mean, you guys can all read our reports and other media reports on who's doing well at practice, who stands out, what they think, and all that. And you know, those are those are pretty good. Like Eric said, generally they're pretty spot on. But to hear it from our assistant GM, yeah. who is in charge of evaluating this team and his thoughts on how our team looks right now, it's pretty cool. Yeah, you can only get that right here. That's you know, pat on the back for us. That's right, only on the lounge. And I'll tell you about another exclusive offer, Garrett. You're full of them you today. Ready? I'm ready for it. I'm full of it, and I'm full of them. Yes. I'm full of great offers, and this is the Ravens Fox special, baby. <laughs> Order the Ravens Fox special all season long, and you get a large specialty pizza and a large two-topping pizza with promo code RavensFlock at PapaJohns.com, and I'll do you one better. The Ravens 50 is the day after every Ravens win, you get 50% off regular menu price online orders with promo code RavensFifty 50 at PapaJohns.com. I'm going to be eating a lot of Ravens 50. For sure. Ravens 50 pizzas. I'm going to eat 50 Papa John's pizzas with the Ravens 50. Over the course of the season, I probably will take down about 50 Papa John's pizzas. Yeah. I'm I'm going over on that. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, thank you for listening. And as always, you can email us at thelounge at ravens.nfl.net. And we will be back with you next week for our full 53-man roster predictions. This is a big episode next week. So we're going to... Get our, get our, uh, put pen to paper here and make our final predictions and we'll share them with you next week.